Thanks for joining the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast, where we discuss God, the Bible, and God's purpose for your life. Be inspired and encouraged to engage in transforming the world around you. I enjoy this time and listening to all of you and, and where you are around the world and what God is doing. I, I just, I love this kind of thing. And so, so thank you for allowing me to do this. I was, um, I've been processing this a lot over the last couple of years with everything that's going on around the world and how things seem to even be getting worse. I was, I was, I get a lot of uh, information uh, like newspapers and stuff online from many countries around the world. And um, one of them is, uh, well, three or four from Israel, Jerusalem, Jerusalem Post, things like that. And uh, they, were, they were talking about how Iran now has about one month until they, they have access to, or they can build a nuclear bomb. I was, uh, I was watching all the stuff that's going on in Afghanistan with the Taliban and some of that. And and uh, just been watching this last this last year and a half with the with the, the entire world and all of the things across the planet that seem to be um, confused and seem to be fearful and and I was processing how easy it is and this is one of the things that has always been the case um, as a pastor I've been a pastor for thirty years as as watching this stuff happen, it has always been um, surprising and amazing to me, even though it shouldn't be because I've been doing this for so long. But it has always been amazing and surprising to me how quickly people, human beings, can turn to evil, turn to darkness, how quickly human beings can do things that are uh, atrocious. I was I was studying some stuff a couple of weeks ago, some some uh, documentaries and some books and things about uh, the rise of Nazism during World War II and how how the uh, German people and then I was also looking at Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and how Bonhoeffer stood up against even the church because the church was being complicit in Germany. They were being complicit with the evils of Nazism. And I'm trying to process this and, and, um, and thinking about why I know, I know the, the simple answer is Adam and Eve sinned and it brought sin and, and death to us. And so therefore, you know, we're sinners, but I, I still, I still get surprised and confused when I see how quickly human beings can do things that are so horrible and how quickly human beings can be so evil. And then, and then I see my own life and I realize that, I, I mean, I'm serving God. I love the Lord. I, I'm, I'm not out there sinning all the time, but I still have this like right behind me, the way that Genesis, I think Genesis, um, 
uh, chapter five says is that sin is always, or the devil, Satan, sin is always crouching at your door. And, uh, and I think it, I think it's important for us as not just Christians, but as leaders in the Christian community to, to always keep a balance between recognizing that we are walking with God and we are helping others to know God. But at the same time, sin is always crouching at your door and that Satan is always going to try to do something to hurt you because as as um, as as pastors, as leaders in the Christian community, when Satan trips us up, it affects a lot of people. It affects many people. Sometimes, sometimes churches and people struggle for years because of a of a failure, um, a fall into sin from a leader or a pastor, and uh, and it affects people on a much bigger levels than, than just somebody else in the community. And so I was looking at this in, in Psalms 126. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um, Psalms 106. I was, I was, uh, I was reading down through this and, and I want to, I want to read some stuff here and then I'm going to, I'm not going to read it all. It's fairly long. I want to read some of it and then I'm going to, I'm going to highlight some other scriptures through it. Because it, it just it just kind of um, made me think about this this thing that we as human beings do, which is we we so easily seem to fall away. And I'm saying as Christians, we fall away from God, and we we get to a point where we're not doing what He's asked us to do, and we follow the path of many people in the Old Testament where they were serving God, and then they stop serving God, and 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 we see that some of this is coming after the Exodus. Some of what's talking about in Psalms 106 is right after the Exodus, but starting in verse one, he says, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Who can list the glorious miracles of the Lord? Who can ever praise him enough? There is joy for those who deal justly with others and always do what is right. He is starting off with this strong, this uh, strong reminder that God is amazing, that God is good, that He loves us, and He and He is right and just, and 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 He's trying to. I, I think He's trying to start off saying, "This is who God is," but then this is what we do. In verse four, He says, "Remember, Lord, when you show favor to your people, come near and rescue me." Let me share in the prosperity of your chosen ones. Let me rejoice in the joy of your people. Let me praise you with those who are your heritage. And then in verse six, he begins to to switch. And he says, like our ancestors, we have sinned. Now, I don't think this is, I don't think what he's trying to do here is say, and then this is the way we would approach this often is, well, I'm a sinner because we're all sinners and, you know, Adam and Eve sinned. And so therefore we're all sinners. I, I don't think that's what he's saying here. When he says, like our ancestors, we have sinned, we have done wrong. We have acted wickedly. I think he is saying we follow the footsteps of those who have come before us. We, we follow the heritage of sin, not just the reality that we are broken people and that we are sinners 
that we're born sinners, but that we are actually following in the footsteps, that there is a heritage of sin in humanity and that we are choosing to follow this because the verses above, he's talking about how amazing God is and how faithful he is and how his love endures and he is just and right. And then he immediately begins to talk about how that we're following the sin of those that have gone before us. In verse seven, our ancestors in Egypt were not impressed by the Lord's miraculous deeds. I think that sentence right there is is a very large indicator that is consistent through all of scripture as to why we sin. Not just that we are sinners and therefore broken, but why we individually specifically choose to sin. He says that they are not impressed by the Lord's miraculous deeds. And he, he just got through talking again about how big and amazing God is. He said they soon forget his many acts of kindness to them. Instead, they rebelled against him at the Red Sea. This is, this is a handful of days after the, the final plague, the, the, the covering of the blood over the doorpost. Moses had walked in face to face with Pharaoh. Um, shut Pharaoh down, did the miracles, walked through the plagues with all of the people. Then the firstborn all across Egypt died. And then they, the exodus happens. They're leaving Egypt. And literally within two weeks, I've looked at that path that they took to the sea. And it was most likely less than two weeks for them to get there. In less than two weeks, they forget everything that God has done. And they begin to rebel against him. He says, even verse eight, even so he saved them, even though they're rebelling against him after he's done all these amazing things, he saved them. Now, here's something I think is important is it's, it says that here in verse eight, even so he saved them to defend the honor of his name and, and demonstrate his mighty power. One of the reasons I believe that God rescues, and now this is not the big reason, it's not the overarching reason, but one of the reasons that God rescues us and takes care of us at different times and pulls us out of our own issues is because he wants to defend who he is. Um, specifically, as representatives of his, as ministers, as pastors, I believe sometimes he rescues us because he wants people to know that he is still God. Even though his people are broken, he is still God. He says he saved them to defend the honor of his name and demonstrate his mighty power. He commanded the Red Sea to dry up. He led Israel across the sea as if it were a desert. So he rescued them from their enemies and redeemed them from their foes. Then the water returned and covered their enemies. Not one of them survived. And then verse 12 says, then after he rescues them, after the, the, the Pharaoh's army is, is drowned, then his people believed his promise then they sang his praise. Now, this is the part where it, where it um, to me, it becomes a, a little, it's a good thing. That's a rejoicing thing that's happening in scripture, but it becomes a little frustrating. And for me, as, as somebody that is trying to serve God and to follow God, it becomes a little convicting and almost a little embarrassing because I see there in scripture something that I have done and I have a propensity toward as a human being. And that is God can do all of these amazing things for me. God can do miracles. He can supernaturally guide my life. 
He can use the, the his power to change things around me and use me under the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and then I can go through something difficult and immediately begin to question God and immediately begin to question his, his sovereignty and his authority and his power over my life. And I can begin to, I've, I've even um, been angry with God because God has not, according to my thinking at that time, God was not treating me right. God was not taking care of me. And, and, I, and even though I can stand up and preach in front of people how God is um, all-powerful all and he is going to take care of everything, when I go through difficulties, I will be, I will be sad because, and frustrated and even upset because I don't think God is taking care of me. I, I quickly fall into the same trap that the Israelites do. Uh, they, they are just days out of Egypt and they're already upset at God. And we see this pattern just from, just from the Israelites after the Exodus, even after God saves on the Red Sea, verse 12 says that they, they begin to rejoice and praise God again. But we see where quickly after that, they would get upset. God would do another miracle. He would give them, um, he would give them manna and they got upset because they don't like just manna. They want more. They, they need um, some kind of meat. So then God does that. He, they're upset because they don't have water. Then they get upset at, at Moses and God because they, they don't have um, garlic and onions. I mean, these are, these are overly simplistic things that seem to be harassing these people because of some very basic things. So in verse 13, he says, yet how quickly... They forgot what he had done. Now, right before it, his people believed his promises, saying his praise. Verse 13, yet how quickly they forgot what he had done. They wouldn't wait for his counsel. Um, jump down to verse 21. It says they forgot God, their Savior, who had done such great things in Egypt. How quickly they can do this. They forgot God. They forgot who he is and what he has done in their life. Jump farther down to um, verse 43. It says, again and again, he rescued them. But they chose to rebel against him, and they were finally destroyed by their sin. Now, I think as, as a pastor, I think it's important for me to keep a balance with this. First, I need to do this in my own life. I need to, to always... Remember, see, I really believe that the reason that the reason that we can forget what God has done and the reason that we can turn so quickly, you think about Moses going up onto the mountain and God is giving Moses the Ten Commandments. And when he comes down, the, the people have have and this is this is about a month that he's up there and they have completely forgotten God. They make a golden calf and they're worshiping a golden calf. This is this is in the middle of God doing some of the most supernatural things that we've ever seen in scripture. And they, and within a month's time frame, they turn against God and begin to worship a, a calf, a golden calf that they make. I really believe that the, that the reason that, and I'm saying in a, in a general sense, the reason that the church across the world can, can lose sight of what God has done and they can turn away from God or get caught up in, as Paul says, get caught up into false teachings and false teachers 
I believe the reason, the main reason is because we stop fearing God more than we fear something else. Um, we, we, God tells us to fear him. And I know that means respect, but I also believe that it means fear that recognizing that God can destroy the entire planet if he so desires instantly, that God is all powerful. And just like the flood, he said he's never going to do the flood again, but he, he destroyed all of humanity except Noah and his family during the flood. Sodom and Gomorrah, he, he, he sent fire from heaven and destroyed uh, an entire area, an entire region, cities of people. And that is the same God that we serve today. We know that he is a loving God. He sent Jesus Christ because he loves us. He calls us friend because he loves us. But, but he is also a sovereign God that is in charge of everything. And he is the authority and the judge over the entire planet. And that will never change. We are all going to stand before God someday. And, the, and, the, and, and at that point, there's only two paths. We end up in eternity in hell or we end eternity with God. And so there has to be a fear of God that is not just a, a holy respect, but also an understanding, as Jesus said, don't just fear who can hurt your body, but fear who can take your soul into eternity. And I, and I think what happens as human beings is we begin to fear other things, or we begin to put other things into a place of, of authority or prominence in our life. And the reason that we can turn against something that God has said and do the opposite is because we are, we are not we are not respecting and fearful of his judgment. We're not fearful of his, his, his authority over us. We know, again, in verse 43, he says, again and again, he rescued them, but they chose. And that's the key. They chose to rebel against him. Satan cannot make you do anything. There is no temptation that is bigger than what you can handle. Scripture tells us that that God will give us the ability to handle every temptation that comes to us. We do this by the same way Jesus did in the wilderness. We stand on God's word and we recognize that God is the one that is in charge and it is not anything else, not Satan. It's not any temptation that comes to us. <clears throat> it's not people. It's not the government. It's not anything. The, the, the only thing that has authority over our life is God and his word in verse 47. This is where I get to many times with this. In verse 47, he says, save us, O Lord, our God. Gather us back from among the nations so that we can thank your holy name and rejoice and praise you. So, that, so the first part of this, again, is me personally, that I know that God, I know that God is my God, and I don't want to step away from that. Well, the way that I do that, this is Romans chapter 12, the way that I do that is I keep my eyes on Jesus so that I will not fall into sin, so I will not fall into temptation. I keep my eyes on Jesus. So that's the, that's the me personal side, but I also have to keep in balance as a pastor. I pastor a lot of people, and these are broken people also. I, I, I believe that a pastor pastors more than just the people that come to his church. I believe that a pastor pastors the community. And even if the people are not necessarily seeing it that way or receptive, everywhere you go, you have to keep in mind that you are a pastor and that you represent God. 
and that you are a speaker of truth and that your life needs to reveal and, and, and declare God's holiness, his righteousness at all times. There are never moments when you are, when you are not a pastor. There are never moments when you are not a representative of God. And so you pastor the community too. And you have to keep in balance in your mind that people are broken and that they're sinners. And the reason that they're falling into sin, the reason that they're doing things that are not pleasing to God. And these are people that are maybe in your church or people that have never known God uh, in the community. The reason that they are struggling with sin and with issues of sin is because they don't fear God. I, I really believe that most people in society want to serve God. They want the things of God. They want his grace and his mercy. They want his love. They, they may not recognize that it comes from God, and they may not recognize that the Bible talks about it, but I believe the people that are around you every day, all day, they want this brokenness fixed. They want the pain of sin gone away. They want the, the, the control that Satan manipulates in their lives and their families, and they want that gone. They want to feel forgiven. They want to know that they have a direction and a purpose in life that is bigger than just human being, that there is a transcendence. But the sin keeps their eyes away from God. My defining scripture as a pastor, as, as just in my personal walk with the Lord, there's a lot of scriptures that I hold on to tightly. But as a pastor, this is, this is my defining scripture. And it's, and it's not a, a strong scripture that a lot of people would gravitate toward. Um, to me, it's, it's what I call a pass-by scripture or a flyover scripture. In other words, it's in, when you're reading a story, um, if, if the story starts out um, once upon a time, that's like a Passover sentence. That doesn't, you just fly by that. It doesn't mean anything except it's the beginning of the story. And I think we treat this scripture this way, but I think it has profound impact on, on us as pastors. And it's Luke 15.1. And in Luke 15, 1, it says that all the worst sinners of society gathered around Jesus to hear what he had to say. They wanted to know. These are the worst sinners of society, and they wanted to know what Jesus had to say. In our, in our time right now, in our day right now, in your cities, in your villages, in your context, in your churches, I really believe that the worst sinners of society still want to know what Jesus has to say. They don't always want to know what I have to say, and they don't always want to know what my church has to say, but they definitely want to know what Jesus has to say. And the reason is because Jesus is, is saying the things that will change and transform their life. And my challenge as a pastor is to always keep that in mind. That if I, if I will truly proclaim Jesus and I will truly proclaim his righteousness, people will begin to see the truth of God and they will begin to fear God and then they will turn away from sin. Then they will turn away from the things that are destroying them. Why? Because they are starting to see, beginning to see the real truth of who God is. My challenge as a pastor is to make sure that what I am telling people is the real truth so that they can truly fear God. It's, it's not just about the things that they think or feel or believe. 
It's that they truly see God in the process. And then they will begin to fear God and they will want to serve God. And the very last thing, again, it says, praise the Lord. Um, I'm sorry, verse 47, save us, O Lord, our God. Gather us back so we can thank your holy name. I, I, I just believe, and I'm not, I don't think I'm being naive here, but I really do believe that most people would be very thankful to God if they could just really see him. Not what the world thinks about who Jesus is or who God is. Not what society tells us that God or Jesus is, but truly who, who God is, that he is, he is all-consuming truth, that he is love, that he is grace, that he, he also is the judge, and he is completely just and righteous. And you put all these things together, and he's a pretty amazing God, that we have the opportunity to serve, and then we also have the opportunity to tell others about him. And so when we're walking through our, our communities and we're interacting with people uh, on a daily basis, we have to keep in mind, I think you have to keep in mind at all times, that Jesus died for every single person that you are looking at, that there's nobody that you can see that Jesus didn't die for. And because of that, my heart should be moved and motivated to try to help them to know who he is. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of everything that is important in life, everything. And that has to be our foundation. That has to be our starting point every single day. Thank you for joining Joshua Nations on this episode of the Inheritance Podcast. For more information about the ministry of Joshua Nations, please go to 